Hello everyone, welcome once again to Reason for Hope. Thank you for joining us today. If uh, this is your first time with us, Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast. We are live with you on various online platforms and it's really all about your questions on the Bible. You can send in your Bible questions to us. Uh, we also like to give you updates, things going on in the world as it uh, relates to end times and Bible prophecy and all those kind of good stuff. Basically just give you the reason for the, the hope that we have in Jesus. That's what it's all about, a reason for hope, the only reason we have, and that's becoming more and more clear by the day. Uh, but yes, you can send in your Bible questions. We have multiple ways you can do that. I'll be going over those in a moment. Could be a verse or passage of scripture that um, you've read and don't really know what it means or how it relates to you. Maybe something you're going through in your life, you'd like a biblical perspective. Um, maybe questions about the uh, current events in the world, anything along those lines, as long as you know the Bible's the source of the answers for us here on the show. As long as it's an honest and sincere question, we certainly appreciate that. We are here for, for you today. Uh, my name's Dave Robson. I'm your host today. I'll be on all those platforms, filling those questions. <laughs> and with us today, Pastor Scott Richards, the founder of this ministry and the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. That is that is, you? That is me. I thought <laughs> I recognized you. Not, yeah. not a clever fake, but, <laughs> but it's me. No AI here. No AI, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's getting hard now, to tell. Although that would, in, that would imply intelligence, so I think we can rule that out. <laughs> <laughs> no artificial intelligence. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. yeah, you doing good? I'm doing great. Yeah, good great. to see you. Lots of exciting things going on. Yeah, I'm sure you're uh, we'll, share we'll, we'll be uh, getting to a lot of it okay. uh, here today. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, yeah. let me just uh, go over those platforms with you in case it's your first time or in case uh, something goes down or you know, sometimes we have problems with some of those social media platforms that we have little control over. So um, let me just make you aware of how you can be part of our show here. A Reason for Hope, we're live with you Monday through Friday. Today's Monday, October 16th. And uh, as I can say, we're live with you on these multiple platforms. We join you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can uh, join us those times. It's a ministry and outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson here in Tucson, Arizona. You're welcome to come and visit us if you're looking for somewhere to worship, somewhere to get in the Word. Uh, we have Sunday services, of course, and a Wednesday evening service. We're in the Book of Acts on Sunday, currently in the Book of Ezekiel on Wednesday nights. We're, we're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church, so you'll usually find that they go through uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. That's kind of the style. It's what we do. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. Teach the whole counsel of God. So um, again, if you're in the Tucson area, um, maybe you've never been to church, you'd like to come and see what that's all about. Uh, we're there for you near Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway. But out website calvarychristianfellowship.com you can get more information there and if you click on that watch live tab that will take you to our live page where we're streaming right now you'll see the video you can sign in with a username and uh, then there'll be a chat function that you can interact with us send us your bible questions and that kind of thing when we're offline you'll see a countdown to our next show and you'll see a schedule of upcoming events uh, so you won't have to miss anything you can go directly to there if you type in ccftucson.online.church right into your browser it will take you right to that page or again follow the link from calvarychristianfellowship.com we're on facebook as well live right there don't forget to like and share we'd appreciate that uh, look for calvary christian fellowship on um, of tucson on facebook or facebook.com slash ccf tucson uh, you can send us your question there as well just in the chat uh, box that's attached to the video as well and again share us around we'd appreciate that as well we have an app for your mobile device again calvary christian fellowship of tucson in your app store and if you have roku and apple or apple tv um a box or roku stick or a tv that has those uh, that capability we have a channel on there as well calvary christian fellowship of tucson you can watch us on 
your big screen. We're on YouTube live as well. The channel is called A Reason for Hope there on YouTube, A Reason for Hope. That's a great place for archive as well. Whenever we've been live, it's archives there under the live tab. So if you missed the show or want to recap an update we did or a question we did, um, maybe you want to check out one of our services here at CCF. It's all there under that live tab and we are streaming live currently as we speak as well. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share and click on the notification bell and do everything you can on YouTube. That'd be great. Uh, Pastor Scott here. <laughs> there it is. Do all the things. You know what to do. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Scott's on Twitter as well, or X, or however it's branded these days. Uh, Scott R4H. That's Scott letter R number four letter H. Uh, he posts um, all kinds of things there on Twitter. As you know, so much going on in the world and in the Middle East. Uh, but also um, highlights from the show and things like that. So anyway, if you're on Twitter, you might want to follow along with Pastor Scott. We're on Rumble as well, not live there, but we post videos. It's kind of a newer platform. So if you're on Rumble, a, uh, a reason for hope, Bible Q&A, we're there. And then our um, email address is questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. You're welcome to send your question there as well. If you're listening to us on the radio, we're glad you're joining us. Keep in mind that you are listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded we're not live with you on the radio but questions for hope at gmail.com would be a great way for you to send in your question and um, we'll get to that on our next show or join us on one of those other live platforms i think that's about it i think we covered it all there yeah why don't we pause to pray as we like to do i think that would be an excellent thing to all do. right yeah. yeah father as we come before you lord uh, we pray not just for this program, that it would edify, exhort, and comfort all those that are a part of it here today. They would sense the presence of your spirit and hear your voice speaking to them about the issues that are near and dear to their hearts, Lord. But we also pray together as a reason for old family uh, for Israel right now. We pray for their protection. Uh, looks like they're getting hit on uh, both sides now, and things are really starting to accelerate again. Uh, we pray, Father, that, uh, that, the, that peace would prevail, a just peace that Hamas and their terroristic uh, desires uh, to do horrible things uh, in the name of their false god uh, would be absolutely rebuked and rebuffed by you personally. Uh, Lord, we have heard in other conflicts how even your enemies, Lord, were amazed at how you would intervene and protect your people. We pray for that kind of divine intervention. We pray that many, many stories of how your mighty hand and outstretched arm has made a difference in this conflict uh, would, uh, would just not only protect your people Israel, but uh, lead uh, the people in Gaza, especially those who are committed to Hamas or Hezbollah in the north or, or even in Iran. Uh, you would lead them to a knowledge of you, the true and living God, that there would be just a sweeping revival of people coming to know who you mm. truly are, uh, by by any means that you are going to use, Lord, whether it's visions, whether it's missionaries, whether it's the Internet, uh, Lord, we pray that uh, even this program would get around the censors and be able to speak your truth to those uh, who really need to hear what a personal relationship with you is all about. And I thank you, Lord, for showing us beyond a shadow of a doubt how committed you are to giving us that personal relationship with you. We thank you that you're, you sent your son Jesus to live a perfect, sinless life that he laid down that life on a cruel Roman cross to pay the price for our sins, past, present, and future, and that by simply putting our faith and trust in what you have done for us, Father, and sending your Son, uh, your word says, Jesus speaking, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life 
He shall not enter into judgment, but is passed from death into life. We pray that many today would pass from death into life as they put their faith and trust in you all over the world. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. 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 Amen to that prayer. Well, well, yeah, what's been going on over well, the Well, what, what hasn't been going on uh, over the weekend, a number of things uh, we're keeping an eye on uh, going on in Israel right now. As we mentioned, things starting to accelerate uh, a little bit. We are seeing an uptick uh, before airtime of uh, rocket attacks in northern Israel conducted by the Hezbollah terrorists. Uh, there was an article in the Jerusalem Post that ran, uh, an IDF spokesman said that Hezbollah carried out shooting attacks in northern Israel with Iranian backing in order to distract the IDF from the southern front. Well, it seems like that is a strategy that we might expect to take place. Uh, again, Iran ordered Hezbollah to escalate against Israel on Sunday. Uh, there has been uh, an ongoing debate uh, about whether Iran was involved uh, more generally with general training and funding and logistical support or whether uh, the mad mullahs in Tehran are literally pulling the strings and giving the orders. Uh, this uh, seems to be the case here. Uh, Brigadier General Daniel Hagari uh, said in his Monday morning press conference in Israel that Iran is definitely the one giving the orders under this set of circumstances. Uh, there have been a number of people that have been wounded in northern uh, Israel, a spokesman for the Galilee Medical Center in uh, Naharia announced they received eight people who had been wounded by rocket fire, uh, two in the trauma center in serious but stable condition, uh, suffering shrapnel wounds to their limbs, one uh, having more similar industries but in moderate condition. Uh, and so it goes. The IDF responded by attacking military infrastructure in southern Lebanon with helicopters. But Hezbollah is uh, doing something very interesting. They are uh, specifically sending snipers to take out the, uh, the uh, uh, I, I guess we would call the, uh, the online uh, security systems that Israel has up there in the border if they can blind, in a sense, Israel from getting intelligence about what's going on and what their movements are and what mm -hmm. their troop positionings are and so on, uh, then that is great, uh, quite an advantage for them. And so we see that tactic uh, starting to happen. Uh, the United States, for our part, uh, has uh, been to discourage others in the Middle East uh, from getting involved, including uh, Iran. Uh, Hezbollah has not yet jumped into the war in a major way. They are definitely saying we're present, we're here, you know, we're, we're firing these, uh, these attacks. And if uh, you're sent to the trauma center in Galilee by being a victim of one of these attacks, you would probably say that that attack was uh, more than just a small thing. Yes. But we're not seeing any kind of massive uh, kind of attack here. There were reports over the weekend of a uh, large gathering of uh, troops in northern Syria. Uh, many of these troops coming from Iraq, uh, some coming from Pakistan, some coming even from as far away as Afghanistan uh, to sort of be on call, if you will, when the go-ahead order is uh, given about a larger launch of hostilities uh, against Israel. So we're definitely keeping an eye on that. But the, the big question that seems to be going on is uh, there are over 300,000 Israeli uh, soldiers that are outside of Gaza right now. Uh, Israel has dropped thousands upon thousands of leaflets in the northern section of Gaza, telling the civilian population to move to southern Gaza. 
Uh, Israel even going as far as to restore water service and electricity to the southern part of the Gaza Strip. That's the part of it that really abuts Egypt, really, mm-hmm. what, it, what it's all said and done. Uh, the idea behind that is to move civilian populations out of the war zone. Uh, Israel is incredibly concerned about collateral damage, about uh, innocent combatants being killed in the crossfire and so on. Yep. Uh, in fact, uh, one commentator said that uh, Israel is uh, incredibly concerned with protecting uh, civilian casualties. Uh, Hamas is concerned with broadcasting civilian casualties. Mm. And that is uh, one of a number of significant differences between the two. So, so the big question comes up, all right, why hasn't this ground invasion taken place? Mm. Uh, 300,000 troops there on site. Uh, you've given the civilians the, the high sign. People were wondering, uh, even as we were doing the broadcast on Friday, how long it would be for Israel to move. Israel has not moved mm. at this point. And, and there's a number of different theories as to why Israel hasn't moved yet into Gaza. I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that they are going to move in to Gaza. And when they do, you need to understand this, no matter uh, how well trained, how well equipped, uh, how technologically superior forces might be, you move into a war zone like Northern Gaza is right now, you are going into a sniper's paradise. Mm-hmm. You are going into a place that has been prepared over the years for just such a, a battle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the, the whole idea of disproportionate warfare, you can uh, neutralize the superiority of a vastly uh, larger and well-equipped force yep. if you take advantage of uh, terroristic techniques. And one of the things that puts uh, Hamas in an advantage in any battle going on in northern Gaza is not just the fact that there's all this rubble to hide behind and you can put snipers here and there, not just the fact that you have been there and you can place IEDs and booby traps and things along that line in the wake. But uh, one thing that Hamas is known for is the digging of terror tunnels. They have a huge underground infrastructure Mm. that was designed, engineered, and helped built by the North Koreans of all people. And so if you move into a territory like this, uh, you might be looking ahead and think everything's fine. But then if there's an access point to one of these terror tunnels, maybe it's even covered by rubble or camouflaged, uh, suddenly from behind you, one of these terrorist uh, units can come up and take out as many Israelis as they can. Because the terrorists are are convinced that uh, after a time, Israel will lose their stomach for absorbing casualties Mm. in a situation like this. If they can take out as many casualties as they can, all to the better. Uh, As far as losing casualties themselves, we've talked about this quite a bit. There's a theological uh, driving point behind all of this. The only way in Islam that you can be absolutely certain that you're going to enter into Islamic paradise, it's not you know, by again, keeping the five pillars of Islam or, or going on the Hajj, the, the, uh, the pilgrimage to Mecca. Uh, it's not by following dietary laws. It's not by being at the mosque and, and uh, doing your prayers five times a day as you're called to do. Uh, the only way you can be absolutely sure is to die in jihad. Right. And so if you believe that that is your ticket to heaven, we've seen in the past, for instance, in the Iran-Iraq war of the 80s, uh, Iran was, uh, and I think there's some parallels here, Iran was seriously outgunned mm. 
by uh, the Iraqis under Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein had state-of-the-art equipment and, and so on uh, supplied by the United States back when he was our ally, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, the players change quite a bit in these, these circumstances. But uh, the Iranians used a different tactic. Uh, they would send mass human wave assaults against the Iraqi positions. Now, the Iraqis would have automatic weapons and state-of-the-art uh, you know, RPGs and so on. And so the Iranians would amass huge casualties. But sooner or later, the Iraqis would run out of bullets and, uh, and RPGs. And then those who were lucky enough to be at the back of the human wave assault would swarm to victory. Mm. Well, what motivates somebody to get in the front of the line on a human wave assault? Well, they found after the battles uh, that the slaughtered troops would have in their pockets a white key. And one of the prisoners taken was asked about the meaning of the white plastic key that all the troops seemed to have. And he said, oh, well, uh, again, our mullahs told us that uh, if we died in jihad, this white key was, would get us into heaven. And, and so that, that desire to be in Islamic paradise, and you need to understand, you talk about Dante's Inferno, the descriptions of Islamic hell are incredibly lurid mm. and incredibly graphic. And so nobody wants to end up there. Right. So, you know, when you've got this spiritual drive behind these people, and true believers, right? If yeah. you're hanging out, taking on the IDF, you're a true believer. Right. You know, they would look at that as the counterbalance. Yeah. Uh, Israelis want to live. They want to die. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough enemy to go against. Right. So, you know, we, we have this, this massive force outside of Gaza. I don't think there's any doubt about the fact that they are going to invade. But why haven't they invaded yet? Well, one of the reasons that was given on Friday was because of weather conditions. Uh, there was uh, an, a storm that blew in off the Mediterranean, and it would have uh, rendered the advantage that Israel would have had through, say, drone technology and, and satellites and so on uh, less effective. And so they wanted to wait for better conditions. In fact, they wanted to have things dry out a bit uh, so that uh, their, uh, their transports and stuff wouldn't get bogged down in the mud and so on. And so some people would, would blame it uh, on the weather. Other people uh, were saying, well, uh, maybe uh, that was the case, but a number of factors uh, were changing. Uh, in fact, uh, the the uh, sort of, uh, hey, we're here, knocking on the door going on by Hezbollah out of Lebanon uh, was a way of saying, if you go in, we're going to attack. Yeah. And uh, it may have been that the attack was put on hold until a contingency plan, although I'm sure they probably thought through all these things probably far more elaborately than you or I ever would. Uh, but uh, a, contingency, a contingency plan would be uh, in place. Uh, some people believe, uh, and the, the big question is, why hasn't Hezbollah attacked already? Mm -hmm. And uh, one of uh, the reasons uh, may very well be uh, that uh, it's determined uh, that this could be kind of a fake-out, mm -hmm. uh, saying, well, we're just going to launch a few rockets at you. We're really not going to go all in. And then once Israel commits this large portion of their, their uh, services to going through Gaza, then they will go in and try to fill the vacuum and attack. I think the fact that you've got uh, this uh, terrorist jihadi army uh, gathering in northern Syria 
is probably also a reason. Uh, they want to have these troops in place before such a thing happens. Yep. Uh, the other possibility uh, is this. Uh, one of the delaying factors could be U.S. pressure on Israel to avoid Gazan civil casualties. Mm. Uh, and uh, again, uh, another factor is the U.S. and world response to date. Currently, Israel feels huge support, and that gives it the opportunity to be able to have more time to deal effectively with Hamas. Mm. In other words, they don't have to strike before world opinion comes thundering down on their heads. Uh, but uh, that's that's another real possibility uh, that could be going on here. Uh, another interesting possibility is that Israel may be delaying things for about another week or so, possibly, waiting for the second U.S. carrier group to arrive in the, the eastern Mediterranean. Mm. The USS Gerald R. Ford and a, uh, a carrier task force is already there. Uh, we mentioned the fact that the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower and another carrier task force has already left Norfolk, Virginia, and is expected right. to be there uh, on site and operational mm. within about a week to 10 days at the most. Mm. So uh, with two U.S. Uh, carrier tasks, task forces there, what do they bring to uh, this uh, conflict? Well, they bring the possibility of attacking Iran if Iran gets too frisky. Mm. Uh, they also bring the possibility of using U.S. technology and U.S. warplanes to shoot down massive amounts of drones, yep. which uh, the bad guys don't want uh, to waste if, uh, if they possibly can. They want to use those as effectively as they can. Yep. Uh, so it may be uh, that uh, Israel's officials are... Uh, in the process, I guess, for lack of a better term, it's like a chess match, yep. if you will. What do you do when you play chess? First, you put your pieces, you get your strategy together, yep. you put your pieces in place, and once your pieces are in place, then you make your attack. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's probably what we're seeing in this set of circumstances. The other side of this, though, is that the war for hearts and minds continues unabated uh, as well. One of the uh, major stories that was trending uh, on uh, Twitter today had to do with uh, Cornell University and uh, a, a professor there at Cornell University uh, was saying, and this is a quote from him, that he was exhilarated over what Hamas did to the Israelis because it was about time those Israelis got what was coming to them. Yeah. He was a full professor at Cornell wow. University and uh, on university campuses. Uh, we've seen that the uh, same people that brought uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement have identified uh, with Hamas, right. uh, going so far as to put forth logos which featured a Hamas soldier on a uh, ultralight, uh, which was the, the way they initiated the attack, the way they initiated the, the, ra uh, the attack on the rave, uh, where over 200 people were killed. Uh, you know, they backed off from that because, again, maybe they think we're pushing things a little too far, right. too fast here. But uh, boy, you go online mm. and you see that on college campuses, there's all kinds of people that just say, oh, poor Hamas, these poor babies. How yeah. can Israel be so mean to them? Yeah. Or they've been so mean to them for so long, who could blame them? Well, time out. Uh, do you know why Hamas is in Gaza in the first place? Mm. Because Israel gave them the Gaza Strip. Mm. 
this was part and parcel of the Oslo Accords. Mm. Uh, Gaza used to be a part of Egypt, wholly owned subsidiary of Egypt. Mm. Uh, Israel took that uh, back during the 73 war. Uh, there were all kinds of Israelis that came in and developed the land. Uh, it was an agricultural marvel that had taken place there. Uh, Israel came to a conclusion uh, that if we give uh, control of Gaza, uh, we get out of there, uh, we give control to the locals, uh, then they're going to appreciate us and they're going to know that, that we want peace. Well, as soon as they did, they voted Hamas in to run the government at 90% in the first election. 90% wow. of Gazans voted for Hamas yeah. to run the show. And uh, following that, they immediately went out and destroyed all of the agricultural recesses the Israelis led for them. By the way, we've mentioned this before, but one of the things the Israelis uh, had to do in order to complete this bargain was send the IDF themselves into these kibbutzes, these places that uh, families had spent decades building mm. and uh, forcibly evict the Israelis mm. that were there so they could give it to the Palestinians. Palestinians immediately came in, said it was defiled, and immediately destroyed all the infrastructure. Mm. So, uh, again, things could be different. Hamas could have used all those agricultural resources to feed their people. Right. Uh, all of the things uh, that Israel was providing for them, uh, for the peace. I interesting, in uh, the Jerusalem Post, there's an editorial uh, that's running now with, uh, with this uh, headline uh, behind it. Uh, Every time we give them land, they respond with war. So I think uh, Israel's about had it. Mm. Uh, this is uh, the breaking point. I think they are going to go in. I think Hamas is going to be the sacrificial lamb as far as the mad mullahs are concerned. Mm. But what might happen as a result? Well, maybe the mad mullahs are waiting because it does appear from the stories we've read here today, they're giving the orders here. They're waiting for Israel to commit their troops. Mm. Then they will uh, respond with an attack on northern Israel. We've also mentioned that there's intense pressure on the Jordanian government by the majority Palestinian population of Jordan. Uh, Jordan is run by a minority group. They're called the Hashemites. They're sort of an offshoot of the Saudis. They're King Abdullah and his family and so on. But this uh, small minority, because of their connections to the House of Saud, uh, runs everything. They run government, they run the, the economics, they run the military. Uh, but uh, the vast majority of people are Palestinian. Well, there have been uh, ongoing protests uh, about Israel going on in Jordan. And if Israel commits, uh, the only thing that keeps the, uh, uh, King Abdullah really in power is the fact that uh, he has this agreement with the Israelis to uh, manage the Temple Mount area what they call the noble sanctuary hmm. and because of that they keep their hands off they say well okay and and so on but the pressure is really building on jordan hmm. to come against israel yeah. and if they cross the jordan river and attack israel again boy katie bar the door we've mentioned before that through back channels for instance israel has told iran and by extension syria that if uh, there is any attack on uh, northern Israel by Hezbollah or by the, the Syrians, that uh, Israel will respond by destroying the city of Damascus. Right. 
which is something Isaiah chapter 17 yeah. prophesies yeah. is going to happen. So I don't know if it's going to happen this go around, but sooner or later, it's going to happen. Whether yeah. it happens in the tribulation period, we don't know. Right. Before, we don't know. No indicators yeah. there. But it's never happened. But it has never happened in yeah. the history of Damascus. It's going to happen. And when it happens, according to Isaiah 17, there's going to be great leanness in Jacob. In other words, uh, it's going to cost Israel dearly. They're mm-hmm. going to win the battle, in a sense, but uh, it's going to be at great cost mm. to Israel. Uh, seems like things might be setting up for all of that. Yeah. Uh, we're also told uh, that uh, through back channels uh, that uh, if, uh, if uh, the Iranians communicating that uh, if Israel uh, goes ahead and invades, they are going to completely blame the United States for this and you will have to pay the consequences. Well, one of the biggies, uh, Christopher Ray, the director of the uh, FBI, uh, said in an interview last week that uh, we may have to get used to the fact that there will be terrorist attacks in the United States. Mm. They can't possibly stop them all. And since our border has uh, been largely unmanaged for the last two years, it's been come one, come all. Right. Uh, over 154, I think at last count, uh, individuals who were uh, featured on the terrorist watch list have been intercepted and arrested at our southern border. Uh, I was reading an article earlier this morning where a group of Iranian nationals were arrested in Texas crossing the border. Mm. So uh, That's just the ones they've arrested. That's the ones that, that have Got gotten caught. snagged. Yeah. So, you know, the, the fact that this uh, whole thing can uh, definitely blow up and blow up in a big-time hurry, uh, we're going to just have to see. Uh, the countdown clock is ticking, yeah. but uh, I think... Uh, what's going to set it all off is when the go-ahead is given for Israeli troops to enter northern Gaza. Once mm-hmm. that happens, that's going to go on. The other reason, uh, though, that was given that I thought was really interesting as to why the clock is still ticking is because of the hostages that are there, numbering in the hundreds. Uh, there are reports uh, on, say, the Israeli War Room website that uh, American uh, Special Forces units like the Delta Force and the Navy SEALs, are already operating inside of Gaza City trying to locate uh, these prisoners and uh, trying to liberate them, as well as with Israeli special forces. So there might be this delay going on, and I think this is likely, to do whatever they can to be able to rescue as many hostages as they can and get them out of harm's way uh, before uh, the major war gets going. Mm. So uh, we need to pray for those hostages. It's just tragic to be able to see the pictures of them. Uh, You know, again, latest statistic, close to 4,000 have been wounded uh, as far as Israelis are concerned. 1,300 murdered. And and the one thing you've got to understand about that, and a lot of of us don't, uh, is this. As far as the proportion of people that have been killed, Israelis, to their general uh, population, this would be the rough equivalent if 45 9-11 attacks had been successfully carried off in the United States all mm-hmm. at once mm-hmm. as far as loss of people proportionate right. in population. Yeah, wow. So um, if that had happened, I think we would uh, definitely, definitely be uh, a little bit irate about all of that. Oh, yeah. And uh, apparently uh, U.S. President Joe Biden is going to visit Israel on Wednesday, according oh. to Secretary of State uh, Anthony Blinken. Mm. So what happens while he is there? There have been a group of United States senators in uh, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Hamas responded by 
launching rockets in that direction. They were intercepted, but uh, be very interesting to see exactly what goes on as a result of all of this. So oh, wow. you asked what's happening. Yeah. Uh, as I far as asking. I know <laughs> and the resources that I have, uh, that's what's going on. Uh, you want to stay up to date on these things. I highly uh, recommend if uh, you have access uh, to Twitter or Facebook, the Israeli War Room site does a really good job of posting the latest. Uh, Jerusalem Post, obviously, is a good place to go. Our good friend Joel Rosenberg's All Israel News uh, gives you a, uh, a, a Christian perspective on uh, events that are going on in Israel. I think that's an excellent source. Uh, Amir Sarfati's Behold Israel uh, site, not just the, uh, the website, but he encourages uh, his followers to go on the Telegram app and uh, he does uh, updates all through the day that are, are mm-hmm. very, very interesting uh, mm-hmm. because Amir definitely has, uh, his background is an IDF officer, yep. uh, has all kinds of contacts, and uh, just loves the Lord and loves yep. his word. And so he's there. He, and right, he is yeah. right there <laughs> on site. Yep. So uh, I would say Behold Israel, uh, download the Telegram app, and you can follow along with that. Uh, that would be another great way to stay up to date. Yeah. Right. Well, well, thank you for so, keeping us up to date. And pray, pray, yes. pray, 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 and pray some more. Absolutely, Our yeah. prayers matter more. Than, and, and can I just say another thing about prayer? You know, I've mentioned this before, but if there was ever a time for us as believers in Christ to show our solidarity and our sincerity in our prayer life, even through fasting, fast and pray for this situation. Fast and pray for the deliverance of those hostages. Fast and pray for the protection of Israel, fast and pray for a revival to sweep through the Muslim world and save these poor, sincere people for sacrificing themselves for the words of a false prophet like Muhammad. Uh, You know, it's interesting when Sean is here, he's sort of our go-to guy on Islam, really has done his homework and all that. He'll be here tomorrow if you've got questions about all of that. But uh, but, uh, one of the things uh, that that you you have to understand is that uh, these uh, Muslims are incredibly sincere but incredibly ignorant sometimes about what even their own religion teaches. Mm. And uh, one thing Sean has said that I think really pairs close attention might be explaining the aggressive nature of Islam in our day and age is that uh, he describes it as being kind of like uh, the Medo-Persian Empire right before they fell to Alexander and the Greeks. Mm. They had a vast empire, seemed very impressive, but it was very hollow. Uh, it kind of was a spent force. And uh, what Sean suggests is because of the impact uh, that uh, the Internet has as far as people being able to see the claims of the Quran, the claims of Muhammad to be a prophet, the significant problems with Islam, the conduct of Muhammad, uh, and so on. I think there's a lot of Muslims out there that are shaking their heads and going, whoa, maybe there's an alternative here mm-hmm. because of the Internet. They're hearing the good news of the true Messiah, Jesus right. himself. And, uh, and as a result, I think we may be on the edge of seeing, you know, maybe a huge part of this battle being won in a spiritual way. We right. need to be fasting and praying for the Muslim world that they are reached for Jesus. Yeah, amen to yeah. that. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Um, we had a question which uh, it's, it's somewhat related i'm gonna make it related anyway um <laughs> bold spittle <and> yeah <laughs> that's right, that's right. there you go uh, the question was if jesus rebuked his disciples for using a sword which was peter right, I'm right mm-hmm. saying that. yeah um would that relate to christians uh, the question was carrying a gun 
um, you know, kind of gun control and, and, you know, the right to carry and stuff. But we could probably apply that to, to war. Like, it, would that be Jesus speaking against violence and war? Is there a time for war? Is there a time to go to war? Or is all violence um, a sin? Um, so really the question was about carrying weapons. But you think about what's going on with Israel and the U.S. Tre- troops going in. Like, is, is there a time for war? or is? Um well, um, again, King Solomon said there is a time for war and a time for peace. Uh, in, in the book of Romans, chapter 13, we are told that God is the one that has placed government on this earth uh, for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Romans 13, we are told, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Praise God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Mm. So what the scripture says about government in general and uh, the idea of government bearing the sword, uh, going to war, uh, is uh, an example of, uh, of what we call the just war theory, that there is a situation where Christians can support resisting violent evil if necessary, by the use of force, by the use of violence. Yep. Uh, when we take a look at the history of Israel in the Old Testament, uh, there were wars that God himself directed because right. of the wickedness and evil that were going on. One of the uh, first uh, great practitioners of terrorism, the Amalekites, uh, they would follow the people of Israel in their wilderness wandering, and then they would uh, opportunistically take out the old, the children, the infirm, and uh, try to terrorize Israel, not uh, face-to-face confronting them, as they knew they couldn't, yeah. uh, but uh, that was their tactic, and God commanded Israel to wipe them out entirely. They did not, however, and they became a thorn in the side of Israel mm-hmm. from that time onward. In fact, uh, even in the time of Esther, we've heard of Haman, uh, the one who uh, wanted an issue in the edict that would completely exterminate uh, the Jewish race, uh, well, he did it for two reasons. Number one, because a Jew by the name of Mordecai didn't give him his propers. His ego was that big. Mm-hmm. Uh, but secondly, he was an Amalekite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, God sees the future, and God saw how that was going to be necessary. As far as Jesus' statement, uh, you know, Peter, put away your sword. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. Uh, we have to understand why Jesus said that. Peter thought that Jesus needed defending. Right. Jesus did not need defending. I mean, and it wasn't a great defense. He slashed off the ear of the high priest's servant, not the greatest technique you would ever hear. Yeah. But remember, in Jesus' final words to his disciples before he was betrayed, he asked, uh, he said, you know, remember when I sent you out, uh, you know, two by two into the cities of Israel? I told you not to bring anything along with you. How did you do? Did you lack anything? They said, nothing. He goes, now bring along a knapsack. Now bring along a change of clothes. Mm. Now, uh, if you got a sword, bring two, uh, because uh, you're going to be opposed and things are going to be very, very different. 
Uh, so the idea of just taking that one statement that Jesus made, Peter, don't defend me. I don't need your defense. Right. As sort of this catch-all that says that self-defense in any manner, way, shape, or form is wrong. Yeah. Um, there have been groups like the Quakers and, and other pacifistic groups that have taken that point of view, but it doesn't really hold up under examination. For instance, uh, what does it mean for me to love my family? Uh, it means for me to take care of them, to look out for their welfare, yeah. to make sure that they aren't abused or, or, or treated violently. Well, if someone breaks into my house and threatens my family with physical abuse, say, uh, for me to stand there and go, well, you know, I'm such a, a godly Christian, I guess if God wanted you to stop you, you know, he'd send a lightning bolt, but I'm such a godly Christian, I'm going to just stand by and watch you do whatever you're going to do uh, because I'm so spiritual. Yeah. Uh, you know, somehow I don't think the law of love is in view there. I think it sounds like a great excuse for me not to kind of be a chicken and sort of say, I'll right. see you later. Um, but, you know, greater love is no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means laying down your life in the opposition of violence and evil in this world. Yeah. And, and so a, a complete uh, commitment to pacifism mm -hmm. really doesn't uh, check out, especially concerning the advice that Jesus gave to his followers. Yeah. Uh, regarding having a couple of swords for self-defense. Right. Now, never, and I think I should include this caveat, never did Jesus say convert people by the edge of the sword. Mm. That was human beings' idea. Right. Uh, but, you know, the, the other thing that always comes up in these deals when Muslims and, and the West are at each other's throats is people say, oh, you Christians, it was just so awful what happened in the Crusades, you know. Oh, the Crusades, you know, the barbarity of it all. Well, what people don't understand about the Crusades is the Crusades finally happened after 400 years right. of unopposed Muslim conquest and oppression, mm -hmm. violent oppression. Yeah. Finally, Europe was backed into a corner, couldn't give up any more territory, and so as a result, uh, there were wars again against the Muslims. Now, does that mean that those wars were conducted in some kind of a pristine way, that there weren't atrocities that were done right. on both sides? Absolutely not. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, if Christendom hadn't stood up to the, this kind of uh, Muslim incursion, uh, there was a battle that took place, the Battle of Tours, uh, in uh, the, the border between Spain and France, and it looked like Islam was going to take uh, the continent. But uh, the, the interesting thing... Uh, was that uh, the Muslims uh, got into a situation where they thought they were taking too much territory too easily. Mm. And they thought they were being set up. They, were, they thought they were being drawn in for a trap. Mm. And, uh, and so uh, they, they were very paranoid. They then were going to engage the French forces under a leader called Pippin the Short. Mm. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> Pippin the Short. Oh, wow. Uh, and... Uh, and while they were attacking Pippin the Short's forces, it looked like the French were going to lose and Islam was going to just flood all the way into France. Yep. Uh, but then the rumor got back that the French had actually uh, got back behind them. That's why they got through so easily and that they were raiding their camp. Mm. So the Muslims turned back to defend their camp and because they turned back, they gave up their defensible positions. Pippin the Short uh, rallied his troops. Islam yep. was defeated and eventually driven all the way out of Spain as a result of that. Wow. But uh, it all turned on that one battle right. 
that took place there. And one rumor that got going uh, that, uh, you know, really changed the course of history in many, many ways. So God is in control. And I think that's the one thing that we have to understand. But uh, we also have to be responsible to be people that stand up against evil and wickedness when it manifests itself. Right. Yeah. We don't want to live in fear either. I've had a couple of people just recently say, hey, well, we can take you shopping for a gun and we'll teach you how to use it. (laughs) That kind of thing, you know. And that's, I mean, that's America for you. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but... um, I, I'd worry and if I spent that much money on a gun, I'd want to use it at some point, <laughs> not just have it sit there. There's a lot. Well, uh, you know, I, I think there's a measure of wisdom in all of that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, you should probably, if you have loved ones that need defending under your roof, think through, okay, if worse comes to worse, how am I going to defend them? Yeah. Um, that's the world we live in right, right now. Right. It's kind of the Wild West all over again. Yeah. So uh, I would much rather have somebody purchase a gun uh, and then uh, become thoroughly equipped with how to use it properly yes, that's and how step. to make sure that it's stored properly yes. and so on than uh, someone just going, oh, man, things are getting crazy. I'm just going to go down and buy one from this guy on the street corner. And, yeah. you know, I've seen TV and yeah. there you go. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was shocked when I came to this country and went to Walmart and you can buy a loaf of bread and a shotgun. In same the same, same store, same, same shopping cart right there. <laughs> Everything on my list. <laughs> Welcome to America. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. But yeah, well, good. We cannot. We we answered the question and also my uh, my addition to it as well. Thank you for that. Um, we had a question from Beverly come through on our email address: questionsforhope at gmail.com. Beverly asked, "Who will enter the millennium?" And maybe I was thinking, I'm all, all about it in the questions. Like, what is for those new to kind of end times and prophecy and you know rapture and millennium and all mm-hmm. those things, where are we in all of this? Um, what are we seeing? You know, why why is it so important that we're keeping our eye on Israel and what can we expect? What does the Bible tell us about these end times? What is the millennium and question? Like I say, who will enter the millennium? Those kind of things. I Go. Was, <laughs> I, I, I was told by uh, one of my uh, profs at uh, Talbot Seminary that the word millennium was the most often misspelled word he had ever seen oh, really? in his entire <laughs> a- academic career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I yeah. Can, just just remember, looking at it. Remember I lots of what. L's and lots of N's. <laughs> right. that, that, that I'm keeps... partially dyslexic too. So okay. It's... So, <laughs> so what is the, the word millennium? Two words, mille, which means a thousand, and annum, uh, which is Latin yeah. for years, right? <laughs> I got one right. Yeah, yeah, you got you got it right there. Uh, what's being what is being referred to there is the aftermath of the return of Jesus Christ to Earth. In Matthew chapter 19, we are told that heavens the heavens are going to be open, and uh, behold, a white horse. He was sat on it. Was called faithful and true, and righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Uh, and it goes on and it describes Jesus coming back and, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that whether he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. This is a reference to Psalm 2. He treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, a reference to the book of Isaiah. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, Jesus is going to come back physically. We are told uh, that uh, the uh, armies in heaven, clothed, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Uh, that's you and me coming back with Jesus 
at all of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's not going to be a welcoming committee. Verse 19 says, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with fire and with, with brimstone. The rest were killed with a sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Then, this is Revelation chapter 20, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received his mark in their foreheads or their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, here we see the answer to the question. Yep. Okay, Jesus comes back. He sets up this thousand-year reign. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. He's going yep. to rule with a rod of iron. Read Psalm 2 about yep. this, how God is going to set all of this up. Yeah, and the world will be and, as it is uh, now. This isn't a new... Well, yes and no. Uh, it's still not going to be perfect, but, but Eden-like conditions are going to be restored to this world. There's going to be oh. perfect provision, perfect peace, perfect government, uh, perfect law. Yeah. Uh, people will see Jesus with their own eyes, mm -hmm. be able to worship him personally in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the nations will be under his governance. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be ruling and reigning with Christ. Those of us who have been raptured, those who've died that have gone to be with the Lord will return. They will receive a resurrection body just like Jesus had so that we can interact with this physical world. And so whether we are with Jesus through the rapture whether uh, we die and go to be with the Lord, we're the ones returning on the white horses. Mm. Then there's another group mentioned, the people who were beheaded for their testimony of Jesus, those that died in the tribulation. Mm. They will also be resurrected in glorified bodies that will never know any kind of death or sorrow or anything else again. Read Revelation chapter 21. And, uh, and, and they will be a part of that as well. Mm. Uh, Old Testament saints, who passed away yep. will be resurrected. How do we know this? Because one of them, notably King David, is going to be ruling and reigning during this thousand years, kind of the prime minister under Jesus' headship, if you will. And so uh, Old Testament saints are going to be a part of this as well. The other group that's going to be a part of this, and this is where it gets interesting, is people that survive the tribulation period, mm -hmm. who gave their lives to Christ during the tribulation period right. and survived to the very end, including a good portion, at least one-third of Israel that the Lord is going to preserve and protect and defend mm. and bring through this tribulation period. Now notice something, not just these people from Israel, but also people from all over the world who belong to Christ, who survived this, who came to Christ in that seven-year period called the tribulation, are going to enter as regular normal human beings 
into this thousand year reign of Christ. Mm. Well, we're told the whole ecosystem is going to be different. You've heard about the lion laying down with the lamb. Right. I think uh, Woody Allen said something to the effect is uh, the lion may lay down with the lamb, but the lamb might not, won't get much sleep. <laughs> yep. um, you know, but uh, in, in passages like Isaiah chapter 11, we're told uh, that uh, there's going to be no more predation in uh, the ecosystem anymore. Mm. Uh, that uh, there's going to be perfect peace among even the animals that God created. Wow. Uh, people are going to live to be uh, as old as trees, uh, kind of like they did before the time of Noah's flood, where people lived to be in their 900s and so on, mm. uh, because of uh, the, the altered conditions of uh, the way Earth is. We don't know. Huh. Maybe God's just the one that sets the timer on our DNA. Yeah. Uh, we're told that if someone dies at a, 100 years old, they'll be thought a child. Wow. Or if they pass away at only 100, it'll be because they, they were wicked and God judged them. Yeah. Well, God limited our years, yeah. didn't he? So he could yeah. he could turn it back again. Yeah, guess, exactly. So. <laughs> well, right now it's 70 years or 80 if you got strength. That's right. the average. You do better than that, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. But the bottom line is this thousand-year reign is going to go on. Then we are told now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from prison and will go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Mm. Okay, so here's the thing that freaks people out. Here you have perfect government, perfect provision, perfect law, perfect peace, uh, perfect faith. You get to see Jesus face to face. And suddenly at the end, there's this huge rebellion against God. Where did it come from? Mm. Well, it came from the fact that regular normal human beings are going to enter this thousand year reign. And one thing about regular normal human beings who aren't glorified is, (laughs) guess what? We come equipped with a fallen sinful nature and i want to tell you something our fallen sinful nature is not rational right it it, it doesn't do what we do because it's smart uh it does what we do because we naturally rebel against god and think we know better Mm -hmm. so you know understand god has no grandchildren he has no friends of friends the people who survive the tribulation are going to live for hundreds and hundreds of years they're going to have children. Their children are going to have children. Their children, their children are going to have to, the, the earth is going to be replenished. Mm. But not everybody who's born into this kingdom is going to remember what life was like before perfect government and perfect conditions right. and perfect, uh, you know, faith and so on. And so when Satan is released, uh, I could very easily see him saying, oh, well, you know, he just keeping you like zoo creatures here. Mm. Sure, it's a nice cage, but can you do whatever you want? Yeah. You know, can you rebel against his commands? Oh, yeah. You heard about that guy who rebelled who's 100 years old and zap. Uh, yeah, that's not just. That's not right. And you know what? I think we can take him. Yeah. There's more of us than there are of him. Yeah. Now, isn't that bizarre yeah. that there's going to be people like the sand of the seashore that are going to rebel against God even in a perfect environment? Yeah. Well, they're going to try. God's going to put down that rebellion. And then following this is an event called the Great White Throne Judgment where every non-believer who has ever lived is going to get their day in court. Mm. We're told that, uh, again, books are going to be open. Uh, we're, we're told the people are going to be judged according to their works mm. at that time. There's only two ways to try to get to heaven, faith and works. Right. 
Right. You put your faith in Jesus and his sacrifice to get you there, or you can believe that, well, I'm a pretty good person. I think if God grades on the curve, I'm going to make it. You're going to get an opportunity to see just how good a person you really right. were, yeah. you know, based on your own works. Yeah. You Compared know, to uh, we're, we're going to be the, the worst witness against ourselves if yeah. you find yourself in that place. Yeah. So uh, again, uh, when that happens, uh, we are told that, uh, that everyone who is judged according to their works, that death and Haiti were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You know, in other words, that's the final resting place. Yeah. So um, all of that is to say, you know, going back to the millennium and all of this, these are events the Bible forecasts for our future. Some people believe, uh, oh boy, the rapture's gonna happen and that's the end of prophecy. Hmm. No, we're just warming up. Oh, yeah. well, okay, you know, the Bible says all this stuff's gonna happen in the tribulation. Well, then Jesus is gonna come back. That's the end of prophecy. No, that's not the end of prophecy. Right. A thousand year reign here on earth is going to take place. He'll go, well, after that thousand year reign, then and that, that, that's it, right? No, then the great white throne judgment of non-believers is right. gonna take place. That's the end. No, then we are <laughs> Wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. Then the last two chapters of the book of Revelation describe what we call the eternal state, the new heavens mm -hmm. and the new earth where righteousness dwells. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna see God's face. He's gonna wipe every tear from our eyes. Uh, there's gonna be no more sorrow or crying or death. It's just gonna be an amazing, amazing thing. Right. So that in a nutshell yes. is what's going on. That's great, thank you. That's gonna, where we're heading. I'm gonna clip that out. We're gonna, we're gonna use that a lot. I, mean, <laughs> I, hope, I hope that that didn't raise more questions for you then gave you answers. If you'd like to pick apart some of that, obviously uh, we can as uh, the broadcast unfolds. But yeah. really an important thing, have an idea what that roadmap is yeah. because it tells us something. God's in control. Right, amen. His will's gonna prevail. That's Things right. gonna get crazy here, but God's got it. He's right. going to see us through what he starts, he finishes, and the return of Jesus is nearer now than we first believed. That's right. Amen to that. And the rapture could happen anytime. Yep. Am I right in saying that? That's well, right. Well. Before you hit the last button here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <Yeah. laughs> Please. All right, we're out of time for today. Thank you. Do I hear? Yes, I hear the music coming. Thank you for being part of the broadcast. We'll be back again tomorrow, same time, same place. More of your questions. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.